and welcome to a new episode of More Than Dice. We are now going to be on episode 78, where John had to take the weekend off. He had to go on a business trip, which is okay. I mean, work is work. You got to make the money. Uh, and so James has decided to come on and uh, be here. James Wapple, which if you don't know, you know, he's a long-time friend of ours, really good friend. Um, and we were going to talk about terrain, so it was a perfect time for him to come on because James... I know he works a little bit with terrain, but I don't know if he does a lot of terrain. I'm sure he, you know, dabbles in it. Um. Dabbles <laughs> a little. I mean, I've known him for a little while now. Yeah, he just dabbles a little bit in terrain. Um, and so we thought that would be good to talk about uh, on here. But also, there is some pretty big news coming out uh, from GW this week, which we're going to talk about also, which is, I think, really important. Also, um... News out of Adepticon that we're going to talk about, too, because that's caused some, uh... Angst. Angst, yeah, that's the best way to put it, Jim. Uh, angst amongst the painters and hobbyists and all that stuff within uh, mm -hmm. the painting competition world. Uh, which is okay, we'll talk about that. We'll get some news and feedback and everything. Um, so, with that said, um, let's go ahead and go with our tradition. Kathy, what are you drinking tonight? Orange vanilla Coke. No alcohol for Kathy today. Mm. Rum does not taste good with orange vanilla Coke. I I've tested this so. theory. It's no good. There's no way, no. Um, Jim, are you drinking anything special tonight? Yeah, I made another homemade rum chata, and actually, it was so good it's uh, it's gone. <laughs> Already <laughs> gone. Um. All right. Um. Also, I am almost finishing off the rest of my Bin 27 port, uh, which is amazingly good. Um, before we do that, we do have a couple of uh, salutes today. Um, what was uh, If you're a boxing fan um, and you know about announcers and stuff, Harold Letterman passed away uh, from cancer. He's, if you watch any HBO boxing, he was always on that. Um, and he, uh, he, I guess he uh, passed away from cancer um, recently, like yesterday. Um, he was an amazing person to watch uh, and everything. And then Peggy Lipton passed away this week. Um, if you may didn't know, she's, uh, she was real popular, what was the police show, Mob Squad, um, which was quite a while ago. I know. I know. It was quite a while ago. But uh, she had done some other things and everything uh, recently in different shows um, and stuff. Um, I think that is it. Kathy, Jim, can you think of anybody else? I have never really been paying attention to media these days. What? Does that mean I'm going to have to do the whole entire media section myself today? I'll tell you what I was doing this week besides painting, playing Civ Five. <laughs> Does music count for media? Oh yeah, yeah, of course. Okay, so we'll uh -huh. have, we'll have some. I won't be carrying the whole media section. Uh, so guys, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for supporting us. For all of our patron subscribers, you will be getting uh, your dice um, if you are at that level and higher. Uh, we'll be sending that out this week. That's my duty on Tuesday. So, Terrails, cheers. Cheers.
Oh, damn, that's good. Um, Hello, Wargaming Lobby. Lobby. Good evening. Uh, luckily, your boss is away, so you can listen from work. That's awesome, Luca. Welcome. Um, for everybody that doesn't know, um, we want to go ahead and thank our sponsors real quick. We want to thank Tectonic Crest Studios. Dan, Dan does have some terrain for us to give away. Um, we will be doing some giveaways pretty soon with his stuff. Uh, also, we want to thank uh, Mechanica Studios. Uh, Chris has actually given us the ability and is going to let us give away one of his new Star Wars Legion uh, trays that he's got. If you haven't seen it, we've been posting it on our Facebook page and it's on his. Uh, we will have a contest to give away one of his Legion trays. So if you're a Star Wars Legion fan, this thing is fabulous. And, of course, we want to thank Muse on Minis for supporting us. If you have anything needing for tokens, widgets, dials, measuring stuff, everything you can think of, you can go to them, buy it off of them. Uh, if you use the code more than dice, all one word, you get 10% off your entire order. And it actually helps us all out a lot because um, it helps us buy equipment, which we are trying to save up to get some cool stuff. Um, so other than that, everything pretty much is good to go. I think the one thing that we really need to hit off first before we go into the GW stuff, and it is GW related, is the death of Crystal Brush and the birth, rebirth, I should say, of Golden Demon at Adepticon. Um, Kathy and Jim, of course, this affects y'all more than it affects me. Um, I know that there has been some backlash from the artist types at uh, that like the Crystal Brush because they feel like they're not going to be able to use their old minis anymore or, or not be able to use certain things within the competition um, type thing. And I'm just like, does it mean that you can't enter things in other competitions? Am I correct? The Creature Caster competition, they did their first year, and it was a huge success. Arena Rex is still doing theirs. Uh, who knows? You know, maybe some of the guys that are selling busts, they do a, a contest for busts because, hey, what better way to sell more busts than to say, look, buy some of these, paint them, and you'll win some more as prize. Uh, what, all of these different companies that are all in that dealer's room selling miniatures. If each one of them did their own contest, now people could actually get the things that they're painting instead of having to try and find Pegaso 75-millimeter model somewhere in Europe. Now it's like, oh, wait a minute, people can actually get these, and they don't have to pay $80 for one figure. So that, that would be really cool if these companies started doing their own competitions. More people would go into the viewer's room to check it out. It would all be stuffed in one case where people are crawling over each other trying to take photos of it. It could actually be spread out where people could see it. And people could actually feel like they had a chance that they, they didn't have to work on something for two and a half years just to have a, any hope of it. And obviously no online voting. None of that was going to happen anymore. Well, that's the, I think that's the thing that people didn't like about the Crystal Brush. Any That was like the main thing that people didn't like about that was the online voting. And I knew that whatever was going to replace it was not going to have that element to it. Whether it was the Golden Demons or something else. Well, because there, there was a lot of, I don't want to say kickback, but a lot of arguments over that. Because a lot of people were like, it's just a popularity contest since 50% of your score was based I mean, off of. Sure, you could say that. Um, the things that won certainly were very good. Yes. 
They yeah. certainly deserved to win. You know, did they win over somebody else's that was really, really good because of online voting? Because maybe they had more friends get out the vote than the other person? Well, that's certainly possible. But I wouldn't say that any of the uh, the things that won didn't deserve it. You know what I mean? No matter whether they were popular in online or not. Yeah, because there was also some debate on how that some people were making fake accounts to downvote other people and all this other stuff. And I was like, you know, this 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 gets rid of that problem. 100%. Oh, it really does. Yeah. And now there's clearly defined categories. Everybody knows, whereas this year, it was just a few months before Adepticon, there were still people asking, what are the categories? Yeah. Can I even enter this? There were people I know last night, or no, Friday night in the stream, they were saying, yeah, I walked up there to put my thing in there, and they said, no, I can't be on that base. It's not the right height. You, you didn't sacrifice a monkey on a Tuesday. It's just <laughs> like, what the heck do you got to do to get something in this contest? That's why I had walked away four years ago, because I walked up there to put in a fantasy unit, and it was... 20 Empire Greatswords. And you know how big those are. Oh, yeah. They ain't big. And they said, well, that's too big. Get rid of, like, 15 of those. Put, like, three of them in the contest. I'm like, well, that's not a unit. That's Correct. not a Warhammer unit. And that was, well, once I realized that was the mentality, then I just kind of walked away. And I was done until this year when they had the Song of Ice and Fire category, and I was threatened with physical harm if I didn't enter. So <laughs> I, there was no choice but for me to enter that. But then I, I figured it was probably going to be the, the last year, and sure enough it was, because contracts only last so long. And it just really didn't make, to me, it didn't make any financial sense for them to even do it the last two, three years. Yeah, yeah, because they had to pay the for the winners and all that stuff too, so... But, just the you're investment. You're talking about cool, you're a Seamon, right? Yeah, the crystal yeah, just the, the dragon, the personnel. I, mean, I was paying people basically to just kind of sit there and take entries, and that's that's an expensive thing mm -hmm. when you're not a gigantic company. Yep. So I I was surprised that they were absorbing that probably loss, you know, money wise for so long. So it did make sense, and now GW, it's okay. I, I can walk up there now with an Empire Greatsword unit, and they just say, okay, what's, yep. what's your name? <laughs> That's it. No arguments, no pleading. That, there was one year where they, they said something along the lines of, yeah, we'll take them off that movement tray and just stick them on something else. And then the next year, when I didn't put them on the movement tray, they were so, where's the movement tray? <laughs> well, so that, that's when I just walked away. I said, nope, not doing this anymore. So now we'll get defined rules, a little bit better defined rules, I should say. Not, not, not that seeing that Crystal Brush didn't have defined rules. It's just now it's going to be much clearer. In your opinion, you think? Oh, geez. Well, I always knew with games day. I said, "Oh, look! If I paint the Lord of the Rings figure, it goes in Lord of the Rings. Yep. Not, oh my gosh! If I paint a vehicle, it might go in steampunk. It might go in chibi. God knows where it's going to go. Yeah. And they would be for the judges because they asked me. That's when I knew it was going to go away because they were looking for judges. They asked me to be one. I'm like, sorry, I got no time for that. And the, those judges, they would have to sit there and compare basically a titan to this to a chibi to a diorama 
to a frog. Uh, it's just how do you compare these things to to give them a, a real legitimate judging? Yeah, they're just too bizarre and diverse. That that thing started out. There must have been at least twelve, thirteen categories when it first started, and this year there was like two. And when you, that's another reason why I knew it was going away is they're just, they're compressing the categories as much as possible just to kind of get out of there with the least expense and to save time on the judges, which were in short supply. It, it all, it all just was piecing together. I think everybody in the building knew that this was probably the last one. Yeah. Yeah. That, that uh, was a rumor for back. Yeah. They've been scaling back for the last few years. They first they did away with the uh, the ten thousand dollar first prize, then they did away f- with uh, with the uh, the trophies. Like you didn't even get a trophy. Oh yeah. Anymore, that, that little, you just uh, got like crystal fifty brush. bucks or something. Yeah. Now I, I do see people that are saying they're not coming anymore, and well, that's not that big a deal because more people are going to come to replace them because there's more options now. That's true. I mean, I there are plenty of other painting competitions, not just in, not in the U.S. necessarily, but all over the world, that that people can come to to take their their art models to, and I will miss seeing them at Adepticon unless there is another competition that allows things like that in it. Who knows? I don't know. Um, but there will still certainly be plenty of people going, holy crap, it's Golden Demons. I am going to fly across the ocean for that. Oh, yeah. Because they used... people, they used to do it for uh, Chicago Games Day. Because yep. the, the, the thing was, well, if you want to win a Golden Demon or a Slayer Sword, go to America. And that was kind of... Because we're all chumps. <laughs> That was pretty much the common phrase back in the day, and that's what we heard every single games day, was that if, if you were coming from overseas and you wanted to win a quick, easy Golden Demon, just head over to the U.S., you'll get one. <laughs> hey, Cosmic Cubable. Um, I know. Talking about, um, and I'm going to do a little self-promotion, um, this week, uh, Warfare Weekend will be releasing their painting competition rules and categories, because uh, I know there's, we've already had a couple people ask about that, and... We debated on that a lot, too, because they were like, well, you know, what constitutes a squad? You know, well, it depends. Um, Typically, it's more than, like, two models. But doesn't mean that you can't have a two-man squad, because some games do have, you know, a two-man squad. Um, But uh, we are releasing that information uh, sometime this week, so people can start getting ready for it, because I know for Warfare Weekend... That was one of the things that were like, we want to open up the, they requested was opening up the painting competition for other models and not just privateer press models. So, but sorry, I had to do a little self-promotion because I'm really super excited about this. As McCubicle was saying, everyone that doesn't come uh, means easier hotel and parking for the rest of us, which, you know, to some extent could be true, but. Yeah. Uh, to be honest, the painters make up only a tiny fraction of uh, the people that come to Adepticon. Yeah. But, and, yeah, and, I, I, it, the thing is, is I think the people that are that have did the complaining, um, there's going to be other competitions. Like I said, Creature Caster has their own, but it is Creature Caster stuff. Uh, Scale 75 could do their own, 
and do you know at bus uh, but and they like have that. plenty of really cool art models oh yeah you know i mean and, and you're not gonna <laughs> you're not and, gonna have some of the more interesting creative ones that we've seen at uh crystal brush but then most of those were sculpted by somebody else and then painted you know, somebody painted or sculpted the thing for them and then they painted it. it was sort of a joint project that took between a year and two years to make happen and honestly I have no problem with that people want to do that it's just now for them and they can do that well they can do that for Monte Savino or the, the shows in Europe they can still do those pieces it's not like they're not going to happen it's just now they're just going to be bringing them over there and now, because I don't know how many people walked up to us this year in the hobby area and said that they didn't even bother trying with the crystal brush because they just, they used to do the rogue demon and they got the sense that stuff like this, stuff on a base was not wanted. If it wasn't on a three inch tall plinth, forget about it. Yeah. Which it comes back to then they're now showing models that people will technically kind of play with. And to me, I think there should be a category of this model needs to be played with. This isn't, uh, it, not, not saying a model can't be show quality, but it's got to be usable in the game, in my opinion. That's one of the Well, things. that's, I mean, that's, that's Golden Demon. Yeah. In a nutshell. Yeah, to me, and, and, too, that's, that's what I look forward to. It's like, ooh, that would be really cool to actually play with it. And, and now, because the other thing that would happen, too, is that the reason you saw... I didn't even call it miniatures anymore. First it was 54, then it was 75, then it was 100 and something because then they could paint individual stitching on there. And it basically it was a way to say, look, I know how to do freehand. I am an expert at freehand. This thing is going to be 10 inches tall, so now you'll be able to see it. You did. You had people that created their own back. There were classes at Adepticon and how to win contests, like the Crystal Brush, where it's okay – you're going to have to deal with photography, online voting. What does that mean? It means making your own painted backdrop. So this wouldn't be on a base. It would be on a plinth, and behind her would probably be some kind of painting of the wall or a bunch of giants riding rhinos or whatever the heck they're doing yeah. north of the wall. So this, again, was, was worthless, but you would put it on a, on a plinth. Then you would have an even more dramatic base than this with, a, with ice falls or something like that, and then a painting behind it. Because you didn't want to leave it to chance that the guy would photograph it from some weird angle like this. <laughs> like, well, okay, what does that say about the miniature? Yeah. You always, there's always one angle that's best for a miniature, and it was all about controlling that one angle. Yeah. Well, I, now I, you don't have to deal with that. A good friend of mine, and he does really good artwork, and he's really good, um, is Chris Surrey. Chris Surrey does amazing mm-hmm. backdrops to his miniatures. Oh, he had a lovely entry in the Crystal Oh, Rush. yeah. He had, I mean, he's one of my favorite. Uh, I mean, I know him personally. He's a good friend of mine. Uh, and, and I like him a lot. Talk to him all the time. Um, but, you know, he, he, he always had to have backdrops. He always had to have, you know, something in the back, you know, like you were talking about. Because you just didn't show models as in, you know. Things that could be played, you know, that, stuff like that. That's that the only reason I was kind of sad that Crystal Brush went away is that, well, they were finally bringing back a category of miniatures you could potentially use. And, and then that was, I was like, ah, something tells me this has to be the last year. 
if now there's a special category for things you could actually play a game with. Yeah. That sure enough, that was it. Oh well. But now we got, like I said, just Lord of the Rings alone. Because of all the the things that I had that that won things, all I've got left is my Knight of Dull Amroth. That was from the last Golden mm-hmm. Demons in Chicago. What 2010 maybe was the last one here. So I'm like. The Lord of the Rings is back. Oh my gosh! <laughs> All of these different mini I can I can not just play games. I can actually do fancy stuff with them again. Yay! Yeah. And, and I'm over here looking at my my little Tupperware with a bunch of uh, Marauder Horsemen that I had painted up for uh, for Games Day, you know, and then Games Day went away. Yeah. I mean, I finished them. Except for I need to make bases for them still, but they're done. And they've been done for like eight years, five years, whatever. However many years it's been since Games Day was in the U.S. Nine, <laughs> ten, nine seen, years. They haven't seen the light of day. Although, I've learned a lot about basing since then. So, that's <laughs> bases should be pretty good, I, I hope. hope. I've got all of those Forge World Chaos Dwarf Siege Engine things that have been sitting there. They they went away because I was about to make a Chaos Dwarf army, and then they blew up the universe. They wiped out my, the only three armies I already had, so that was the end of that. <laughs> so now there's a reason to actually break that stuff out again, so I'm delirious. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's not... Well, it's an end of an era because, you know, Simon's no longer doing it, and blah, 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 blah. There's a whole new thing going on that people just can look forward to. Yeah, people are people are already getting excited. I mean, there are the people who are sad and like, forget it, I'm not going to go to Adepticon ever. You know, and that's, that's fine. There's plenty of other competitions out there. Yeah. But there's plenty of other people who are very excited because they want to paint games workshop models and they like to paint games workshop models and they like to get creative with it and i'm looking forward to seeing what they're going to bring um let's talk about some of the other stuff that uh gw did uh this weekend we're going to talk about uh the new contrast paints uh if you may have seen it gw colors yeah they came out with a new line uh and it's one coat one thick coat is kind of their their tagline and um it's you prime these models with a gray or a very beige paint uh, primer that they have, and then you slap on this contrast paint, and this contrast paint will highlight and what else? What's the word I'm looking for? Highlight and shade. Shade, I guess you want to call it. It's where... basically this. You just you take this. It's basically you're doing what I was doing here, where I was taking those liner paints and washing it over these things, and it would go down in the recesses and make those darker, but make them a color, mm-hmm. and leave the light parts lighter. That's that's what it is. It's basically something like this that dries flat, and you just basically paint this stuff over a white primer, and it will do all kinds of color. I did classes in this stuff, and it's it's the same, but more because the there that's. For what six colors or something like that? Yeah, I don't know how many jars the paint are in the set. Uh, quite a few. Um, and they they're not super cheap. They're like five dollars a bottle. 
Ouch. Um, They're the tall bottles, though. Yeah, they are the tall bottles, so it's not like you're getting... You're, you're going to get your decent money's worth. Uh, what I find interesting about it is they... These paints are not for the people that are doing competitions. These are for the people that need to have an army ready and can have a decent-looking army without having to go nuts uh, with it. Um, and like I said, there's nothing wrong with what they're doing with this stuff. Um, it's interesting. I want to get a few because I want to test them out. I want to see how it is because they, a lot of people says, hey, you do zenithal highlighting on this, it'll make them stand out better and bigger and so on and so forth. And I'm like, okay, I, I'm in. I'll, I'll try it. Um, plus, I, you know, I make my own washes most of the time and this will just give me something different to try. Um, some of the colors look yeah, really cool. Yeah, I'm interested to, uh, I'm interested to try them too, because I like, uh, translucent paints, mm -hmm. and I want to know how they work with, with my other paints, with my secret weapon paints, with my reaper paints. Well, basically that's all I use these days is secret weapon and reaper clears, um, and a few washes, but I would love to see how they work with, with those paints in the way that I paint. Yeah. It would be really nice if folks all of a sudden that three color minimum thing becomes way more attainable instead of them, oh geez, okay, I've got to paint this here, paint this here. And yes. It, it's it's sort of like the dipping method, but with colors. Mm -hmm. And that's that's really that's a that's a really powerful thing. If it gets more if it gets less gray plastic armies on the table, that's a bonus for everybody. Yeah, um Legionnaire um, and uh, Cosmic Cusable, uh, referred to as table quality churnout. And that's pretty much what it is. Um, it's, it's a way for you to get, because you put it on really thick though. Um, that's the thing. It, it's supposed to be put on really thick. Um, but it, it lets you get tabletop quality models out very quickly. And with, as we know, with GW armies, you know, I, I have dryads. Uh, I think I'm going to try it with my dryads because I have 120 dryads. Um, so that's going to be a pain in the butt to try to paint. Um, not that it isn't, it's just a lot of stuff. Um, I, going with um, Legionnaires, some of my other uh, primers, they said that uh, you, can't, you shouldn't use white, but you should use an off-white, like a very light gray or a very light huh. beige. Uh, they said there's something with the white and the way the pigments dry on white and all this other stuff. Um, but um, it, it's going to be interesting to try to, for people to use them as normal paint and not glazes or, you know, that type of thing. But that could be. I was thinking the same thing, Legionnaires. Legionnaires says my other worry is that the contrast paints will be sticky. I had a model I dipped once and it came out sticky. I can't imagine they would have... Uh, not tested paints for that where where they would dry tacky. Yeah. I don't think it would dry tacky. Everything I've seen, uh, I watched a video of a guy that painted one at the show, um, uh, Geller Pox or uh, some type of uh, Pox guy, and he painted it just with that. And it looked really good, too. Um, and he says it's pretty much a slather-on type thing and go. You just got to be careful when you get around edges. Uh, because you'll have to redo it or whatever. 
Um, I would I would really like to. I'm very curious how it would work with my uh, my underpainting technique, yeah. where sometimes all I want to do is is tint a color over the surface. Well, uh, someone was suggesting that you know you do your zenithal highlighting thing that you do your over and undertones, and you slap this on. And it'll darken, of course, in the dark spots, and then it'll be light in the light spots. So it's like a a quicker um, way that, to That's paint. exactly what I do here. Eh, these are reasonably close. So here's one that was primed with my sort of light to dark with the Steiner Res primers. And then I was starting to hit these with four or five different colors of the liner paints. And what it does is it... It gives a little bit of a shit. This is a little more sepia tone. This is grayer. This is redder. This is more brown. Yeah. And if you want to take away more, you just hit them with the makeup sponges like this. Now you can take even more of it away, and your highlights are that much lighter. And all you did was just brush some paint over the top of it. Yeah. And like I said, I think this right here is, is not for the competition person. It's for the person that doesn't have all the time either to paint 120 models, you know, super, super awesome-wise and stuff. So, I mean, it's not... It's kind of helping the, the, the average everyday Joe, I guess, best way to put it. Um, what else happened out um, at Warhammer? Um, um, the new Bandai Gundam Space Marine, if you haven't seen that. Oh, yeah, that and the chibis. And the chibis. Um, I thought it was interesting um, for... I joked with one of my guys that's a really big GW fan and likes to play a lot of GW stuff. I says, can I buy a bunch of the Space Marines and play Kill Team with them and just do a large-scale Kill Team army? <laughs> and just get large-scale, you know, things. And we were joking about it. Like, uh, as long as they're on the right size base, base. and everything? <laughs> or, no, you just scale up the bases and scale up you Kill Team into large-scale, you know, you large know I, terrain. I uh, I had the same thought with Malifaux and the uh, the Puppet Wars. Remember the Puppet uh -huh. Wars game? Yep. When they came out with their bigger plastic Puppet Wars models? Yep. And I had a bunch of those. And, and I was thinking how much fun it would be to have a crew... That was just uh, those instead of the regular Malifaux models. But let's see what else came out that was interesting. Um, we got new games coming out. Uh, a bunch of stuff like that. But I mean, those were the really big, big things. Um, we do need to talk a bit about terrain. What time is it? We get a good thirty minute. Yeah, we can talk about yeah, terrain. Yeah, we can. Uh... We can. We can jump off of that. And go to terrain, um, guys. One of our um, sponsors asked us to talk about terrain because lately, um, of course, me running Warfare Weekend and trying to figure out terrain and stuff like that for games, we were talking about it, and it's interesting that some games you have to have three D terrain. Some games. Most games, you have to have 3D terrain, I would say. Yeah, I would say most games, too. Uh, 3D terrain is a requirement. And so we were they're talking about it. And, you know, I remember when I first started getting into was, ooh, someone opened a box and it has styrofoam in it. And the styrofoam is, ooh, it's just shaped like a bunker. Or, you know, <laughs> it's shaped like this. And I was like, oh, man, I could use this for terrain. Let me coat it in glue first before I prime it so it doesn't get eaten and you know 
let's build, you know, terrain with it. We were able to have some really cool terrain, you know, 3D heels, 3D this, 3D that. And we got to talking that <laughs> people miss that stuff. Cosmic Cubicle says he has a bunker of that. We used to do that with our little green army men, me and my brother, when yeah. we were kids. Um, and, and it got us thinking because I, uh, I got a 3D printer. And I started looking at terrain to print right off the bat. It was like the first thing because I'm playing Star Wars Legion and I wanted thematic terrain and I wanted the, you know, tattooing buildings and stuff and to build a table out of that. And we started talking. It's like we understand why some games need 2D terrain. Um, War Machine Hordes is one of those because precision measuring very big tournament play, blah 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 blah. We understand we're not we're not dogging that at all. But if you don't have to have it, and if people aren't it, try to find some cool three D stuff. I mean, there was some super super cool terrain at Adepticon that were like, holy shit. Um, just the stuff that was done, and it to me it makes a better game experience in my opinion. And we painted a bunch of that. We painted about three, four tables worth of that terrain. Yeah. And so, I mean, that's that's just something that... It, it's been interesting because you can make terrain. There is no if ands, or buts about it. Um, you can build your own. You can buy your own. Games like Infinity. You have to have terrain in Infinity. I mean, how many times have you gone and played... I don't know how many people play games with long-range weapons. Like Infinity, 40K, you know, stuff like that where an, uh, Star Wars Legion, you have an open field. The game is over pretty quickly because I can't go and get that objective because if I do, I'm going to die because people can just shoot the shit out of me. <laughs> or a dwarven gun line. In yes. Old, old fantasy. Yeah, that was my, the last tournament I did in 2014. Supposed to be a two and a half hour game, 18 minutes into it, a dwarf organ army wiped out my tomb king they were killed everything was dead within 18 minutes and he said well where's the rest of your army i said you don't killed it all it's gone i'm gonna go eat <laughs> I, I, people don't understand that there's there's a lot missing when we when we got rid of 3d terrain or when we decided not to put a lot of terrain on the table yeah people who want to just uh they don't want to waste time placing terrain they think the game's going to take longer if they both just rush to the center and duke it out. And I'm like, well, why don't you just play Yahtzee? Because at this point, that's all <laughs> you're doing. Yeah. There's there's something to say for correct amount and correct placement of terrain. Um, when I got into Song of Ice and Fire, we were playing on a 4x4. Four four, and they were like, four pieces of terrain. And I'm like, what? four pieces of terrain really and so i tried it out and it actually works well with four pieces of terrain because the terrain isn't itty bitty size it's decent sized stuff uh and since everything moves in a regiment and you know the whole uh rank and flank you can't have large pieces of terrain because then people couldn't move um skirmish style games yeah you probably need a lot more terrain um, but for rank and flank stuff, you can't. Yeah. Otherwise, you wouldn't be able to maneuver. Correct. And that was uh, Cosmic says that uh, he prefers 10 to 12 pieces on a 4x6. 
Yeah, and I think it also depends on the game. Yeah, I was going to say, what game is that? Yeah, that that depends on the game, in my opinion, because there are so many games that if you were to play on a that on a you know a rank and flank game, that might be a problem. Bolt action needed a minimum of ten, and even that with ten, you could end up just on the first turn getting nuked by something. Because the game was designed for either urban environments or forest. They didn't just sit there on an open plane. It wasn't like medieval times where they try and find an open plane and just walk up to each other and duke it out. So that was was a game that needed almost 15 pieces of terrain. Basically, say, 10 major structures and then a few scattered pieces on top of that, too. Because otherwise, the game would not last very long. It wasn't a game about killing. It was a game about pinning. But Song of Ice and Fire, I was hesitant because I saw that. I said, well, okay, they're just playing with cardboard. Is this going to be okay? And then I, I saw, like, Ash's reports where there's 3D terrain until you come up to it, and underneath the 3D terrain is the 2D piece. Yeah. So the 3D stuff goes away, and you don't need it anymore until maybe whatever was on that piece of terrain dies, and then you can put the trees back. That, that when they make 3D corpse piles, yep. they make actually they make all the stuff in 3D. And how hard is it to make a palisade out of foam or the spikes out of just what do you call those things? The skewers, right? Yeah. The little wooden skewers. You can make your pal- uh, your spikes out of that. Mm-hmm. Actually, most of the terrain gets destroyed. I think what every hedgerows get destroyed. I think everything except for a palisade just gets destroyed as soon as you walk up to it. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's. There's definitely things to say about 3D terrain. Uh, especially, uh, I saw that Cosmic was saying that he plays a lot of 30K and 40K in Legion. Yes, for games that are skirmish in style, you need a lot of terrain. Because the models can move a lot easier and a lot freer. Um, and they can move around and go around stuff. That, I can totally understand having a good amount of terrain. And multi-level height stuff, too. Single height stuff, like for Legion, Star Wars Legion, <sighs> Boba Fett can fly, Luke Skywalker can jump over things, you got vehicles that can fly over stuff, you know, it, and if they can move over everything, the terrain isn't useful. Um, so there, there's got to be some reasons, you know, for everything in there. Uh, skirmish, loose formation stuff, you want a lot more terrain. Uh, rank and flanks, you're going to want to make sure that you've got them spaced out enough and there's not so many that you can't move bricks of models around it or through it. Um, Well, rank and flank, now you're getting back to what Jim mentioned, which was the medieval, you know, open field where mm -hmm. they're going to charge at each other. So it makes sense not to have quite as much terrain. Correct. But I mean, for example, if you're playing Star Wars Legion and someone has Luke Skywalker and someone has Boba Fett and then someone has the airspeeder, and all the terrain is level one height, the terrain matters not for any of that stuff. They can mm-hmm. all move through it. They can all go to it. They can all shoot. They can all ATSTs, you know, everything. So you need multi-level height stuff. Um, so things are block large models that can move over stuff. Um, you don't want an airspeeder to be able to fly everywhere on the board because if it can, the terrain means nothing to it. Um, so it would be nice. Uh, Infinity is a very big example. Infinity, if you don't have a lot of terrain, 
so you can duck and run and go through cover to cover, that game ends in like no time because of uh, AROs. Oh, I saw your guy walking across. I'm going to take a shot at him. Okay, he's dead. Uh, okay, that guy's walking across. Well, this guy's going to take a shot at him. And if he's out in the open, I mean, you just you just end the game too quick. Um, there are ways to get around some of that, but it's the point that you need it not only for aesthetic reasons, you need it for game balancing reasons. Um, especially with weapons that have long ranges. That's something that's just like a mandatory thing. On Song of Ice and Fire, fortunately, there is, well, at least for the time being, there is nothing past a 12-inch range, and I don't think they're really going to do anything that's beyond a 12-inch range. Um, There might, but I don't know yet, because Nightwatch are getting a catapult. Well, the, this, the scorpion thrower is, no. is 12. Yeah, so they might get it, but we don't know. If they if they do change up the range, that would be one model I would think that they would might use as a change-up. But uh, there's no guarantee on that. But I yes. The, yeah, the way inches. that deployments and stuff are, yeah. if it was beyond 12 inches, stuff would be, it would be first turn shooting, oh, which yeah. is always horrible for any game. Yes. Um, was it? A Cosmic brings up Batman. Batman is another one. Multi level terrain is a must with that game. You, you, there's, you lose so much fun with the game whenever you don't have a lot of buildings. And a lot of things for people to climb and move over and do things on. And, I mean, how is it that Batman can swing from building to building, but the building's only one level high and he can't jump down and beat the crap out of people? I mean, there's also that immersion factor, I guess you want to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. It's the reason why we like to play miniature games instead of little games with cardboard hexes. Yeah. And even some of those are multi-level because they build the cardboards up. So, I mean, there's plenty of things. Um, but, and, and this is kind of one of the reasons why we're, we're glad Jim is here is, Jim, you make a lot of own your own terrain, uh, especially for what, um, what's it called? Not For uh, bolt, bolt, for action. bolt action. Yeah. Actually, uh, I just, my latest... It was a display board, but it was also a terrain piece, and it was basically Monte Casino. And while it was a display board, it's also it was designed to be a playable terrain piece. And, oh, and then there's Wappleville for Wild West Exodus. Yeah. We still have all that. <laughs> that covered two six by four tables. I that hate Vanyan. That was just a massive type with all kinds of different buildings and outbuildings and scattered terrain pieces. And for bolt action, I've got my Arden board. I now have the town of Nuvio that's basically ready now for battle reports. Mm -hmm. And that required the buildings that couldn't just be buildings. Each floor had to be able to come off because you can only have one squad in a floor. And sometimes you can have two or three squads in the same building of different of enemies. It's kind of like Stalingrad. And it's really important to have multiple level stuff because you need to have that two, three story building uh, otherwise, everything is just all automatic line of sight blocking. Yeah. My, my Arden Forest board, I'll never forget the guy. He went to play me on that thing, and there were so many blind alleys. He found out why the Arden was not good tank country. 
because all of his vehicles popped up from behind a forest or behind a hill, and they all got taken out immediately by stuff in Ambush. But that's how that game is designed. Ambush is a unit or an order that you can give your units. So therefore, no terrain, Ambush is useless. And sometimes that is, the game is within a game is, can you get to that terrain piece first and do the ambush thing? Make yeah. your units hidden because otherwise it's just, who's going to roll the most sixes? And okay, fine. We're just going to see who rolls the most sixes. Let's just play one of those dice games. It's over in five minutes. Or if you don't want to deal with terrain, play squad leader <laughs> because that's cardboard counters on a piece of cardboard. Mm-hmm. And that takes no time to set up. I know there's people that, and I even saw it at Adepticon, where, oh, and Little Horse, too, where people will then, if they have those ruined buildings, they go so far as to have piles of bricks that are loose, literally scattered terrain, because it looks more realistic, and now miniatures can actually basically wedge their way down into it. Because playability is another thing. I know with Layson and all the terrain he made for Wampleville, he had to, he would try to make buildings a little bit bigger just so you could get your damn hand in there. Because that's a lot of these 3D laser-cut wood terrain. It's really nice, but it's fragile, super expensive, and, you okay, you can stick a miniature in there, but your hand doesn't fit in there. Yeah. So good luck getting the dang miniature out of there when you need to. And that's another thing to balance is playability, realism, durability. I try to make terrain that can survive being moved around because that's usually what it's got to do. It has to be brought somewhere else, which means there's plastic totes all over the place with all kinds of terrain in them. on saying MDFs, laser cut MDF smells so good. It does. But, I mean, that, that makes a point. Oh, I no, mean, Xander doesn't like that smell. <laughs> there, there, there's, in my opinion, you miss a lot when there's not a lot of cool terrain. The game, to me, especially 3D stuff. When you put 3D stuff on the board and you're like, yeah, this looks awesome. This is really cool. Um, it's, that's the reason why I love looking at Infinity Tables. Because Infinity Tables have a theme they usually have, you know, something going on. There's a lot of it, and it's really, really cool. Um, so it's kind of interesting to see that. And I think uh, some games, like I said, I can understand, and we all understand reason why, for the most part, most terrain is 2D in War Machine and Hordes because of the competitive nature of it. But you can still work some 3D terrain in on that it's getting the right stuff and the right way that's where you you just like what i see a lot of people do with song of ice and fire is there's there's 3d stuff there until the unit walks up to it and then you've got the 2d piece under it so now there's no argument and they'll even blue tack the 2d terrain to the table Mm -hmm. or to the mat so this way when the 3d stuff comes off there's no arguments like oh you just shifted that thing a quarter inch or an inch this way or that it's like no that's where the terrain is we're just taking little trees off of there yep so that i've got to completely redesign all my tables now for song of ice and fire well there was a a tournament i went to uh i went to nashcon and played in uh, one of their tournaments and they still use the 2d to 2d 
mats, but they put 3D stuff on top of it. Like if it was a building, they put a 3D building on top of that 2D mat. Oh, uh, that's, a, that's what we do too. And, and that right there, I think, is what's needed back. Um, hills are always, I don't want to hit an issue, but balancing models on a hill have always been a, a, a Always thing. a giant pain in the ass. Yeah. Yes. And for games they like, always tip over. Yep. And for War Machine and Hordes, since you are such a competitive game and it's a game of inches, I can understand that. But is there a way to make those hills? Is there a way to make it where they understand. are? I don't understand. Yeah, there is actually. What's the deal with War Machine Hordes being so anally competitive with a game of inches, but all these other games are the same? I mean, they're competitive. You're it's measuring a... stuff, but... The so game the ends. Difference? Well, here, okay. Here, here's the thing: in 40k, you can lose your general, but you can still win the war. Okay, so you can lose one of your key pieces, but still win. In mm -hmm. War Machine and Hordes, you can't. You lose your warlock or your warcaster. The game's over. Okay. So losing a key piece in that game, per se, it ends the game completely. It's one of the win conditions of the game. So. It's, it's super, it, it, it's got to be very careful and very thought out about where you move. Because if you move an inch too close, yes, it can be where someone just auto wins. Um, so, excuse me, got the hiccups. Um, so there, that's the reason why, you know, we always say that it's kind of the thing about it. Um, but that doesn't say that you can't have good... 2D terrain, good three, good 3D terrain for War Machine and Hordes. It's just got to be done right. I, I made hills for, it wasn't just for bolt action, it was going to be for Lord of the Rings, because Lord of the Rings is another, that's why I liked it, because it's super terrain heavy. Terrain mm -hmm. is everything in that game. Oh, yeah. And I really wanted to make hills for stuff like Rohan and, and those type of things. And they're, these are gently sloped hills, and the miniatures can stand on any part of that hill at any point and not tip over. It's just you can't you can't just do the thing where you buy the two inch foam, you take a, a knife and you cut these vertical cliffs and you got a bunch of mesas. A bunch of two inch tall mesas all over the board painted green <laughs> with gray sides. That ain't cutting it. So that's why for myself I I took the basically just pieces of junk foam, the the underlayment foam, that quarter inch thick stuff made a few layers of it, used some plaster and wood glue to sort of make a, the, the, the slope more gentle so you didn't see a stair step anymore. Yep. Used some moss to put some tree uh, batches in, like bushes or small shrubs, something like that. And it's worked really well. I played a bunch of games on it. I'm looking forward to playing Lord of the Rings on it. Which I, I really I hope that wait. game comes back a whole lot more. Uh, now that GW is actually trying to put a little bit more effort into it uh, and kind of pushing it a bit more because I own an, I own elf and I own the, the new starter and I really liked it. I had a lot of fun playing it. Cosmic uh, cubicle says, uh, uh, there's a big thing locally with finding a good balance between good looking terrain and functional terrain. We have yes. a few amazing pieces, but you can, uh, you know, can you fit models on it? That's what we always say about fancy bases, too. Jim and I, we talk about all these fancy bases that people are producing that you can't 
actually put a model on because like a foot's overhanging or there's nowhere for the feet to go. <laughs> happens all the time. It, well, if it's a 10 base set, at least three of the bases, you have to throw them away because no miniature fits on them, which is why I make all of my own bases because I, this way I control the narrative. I control where that miniature fits. That's like, why I, he makes all his own terrain too, because it's the same thing on a bigger scale. It is to me, it's just, I, I guess because, well, to me, the vast majority of all rule systems are at least flawed, if not just outright horrible. So I need something besides just the rule system. There has to be more. There has to be visuals. And that's why I obsess about the terrain, because at least if anything, the board looks good and the miniatures look good on it. And if otherwise, if it's d disappointing, besides that, well, okay, at least I got me an empty table to look <laughs> at. Because there's been games, well, and sometimes they change. Like our the Barbarossa board that we made, that was originally for Wild West Exodus, till the company was sold, or the game was sold, and then the game was ruined. At least for us, it was completely smoked, and we don't play it anymore. So thank goodness we sort of had bolt action in mind as we were making it because it went from the swamps of Louisiana to the Pripyat marshes of Russia or Belarus. Sorry, I should say because terrain is it's real important to me. And with that river that's set down in there, I don't know how many games have been so much more interesting <laughs> because there's guys actually down in the riverbed as opposed to just, some of these these terrain things where you see it's like a printed river, which, yes. which is nice because that's it kind of shows you where the difficult terrain is, but you can't there's no depth to it. Yeah, and, and that depth is that's where that extra element comes in and makes the game that much more special. Yeah, there's there's got to be you just can't have. You can have these buildings, and we go back to what was the the 40K terrain overseas that was like just styrofoam. And it was just styrofoam <clears throat> placed on the table. I'm like, you can't... It's, it's got to be useful and functional and worth a damn. Having just that stuff just sit there, and it's just a block of styrofoam, is, is not going to work. It doesn't help anybody. It doesn't do anything. It just sit there. It needs and, to be usable. The the Monte Casino board that I did, it was literally made out of styrofoam. The, the kind of stuff where, okay, you buy, uh, I don't know, something, and it, like a monitor or whatever, and the, the, there, or a, I don't know, a humidifier, and there's that foam that kind of keeps it stable in the box from shifting around. That stuff, you wouldn't believe the terrain you can make out of that. And it's oh, dirt cheap. <laughs> We were just talking about that in the chat, Jim, how uh, when we were kids, we'd be excited about getting electronics because we'd have good terrain for our army men. Mm -hmm. And uh, and now, of course, we use it for our army men <laughs> as adults. Yep. I mean, there's plenty of time. I'd be at work and like someone would open up something. I was like, ooh, can I see the styrofoam? Um, I'm going to take that. And they're like, why? Nerd stuff. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, we. I have uh, all the people at my D and D plus a friend of the DM will actually bring their packing material and for me. 
You know, whether it's for stuff I can use for terrain or stuff I can use for shipping. It, it it's just it's really important to have well i'd even do i'd take it one step farther i have the painted backdrops because to me it just it sets the environment it's an immersive thing that i thought that's why you play something like this as opposed to a board game that you're, yeah, you're immersing yourself into this world you've created that's why you're playing with uh all the fun miniatures and not just the little uh you know, like advanced squad leader, where it's just a big hex map and and you're just moving around little cardboard tokens. Yeah. Not that there's anything wrong with that. But yeah, if we're gonna if we're gonna if we're gonna play a game where we have miniatures on a pretend board, we want to immerse in the illusion of models and you know terrain and oh a little yeah. world, a little miniature world. Yeah. Like there was one time I went to um, Kansas City. It was it wasn't Midwest Melee it was an event there, but these guys were playing um, Lord of the Rings, and it wasn't a tournament. It wasn't when the new rules came out, so it's been like four or five years ago, and they were doing the Battle of Helm's Deep, and they had an actual Helm's Deep. The table was probably about six foot wide and about twenty foot long, and I was like. Shit, that's badass. I'm oh, like, I've seen the Helm's Deep back. Uh, how many years ago was that, Jim? It was back when that was Lord about two thousand three. First came out. Yeah, and, and was like, there was a little convention near us, and they, the Games Workshop people, brought their Lord of the Rings, uh, or their Helm's Deep, uh, terrain, and it was just amazing yeah and they were and they were playing with they were they was like all right you signed up for this i hope you're here you're glad to be here for about another 10 hours because we're doing the battle of helms deep and they had so many miniatures and so many things out there and i was like that's cool doesn't mean i'd want to play it because it's such a you know a, a good time sink but doesn't mean that you know it, there's anything wrong with it because they had and they sat there and played for the entire day. It was that one game all day. And I was like, that's cool as shit. Well, you've seen the New Zealand guy, the, the Zorpa Zorp gaming guy, and he has Osgiliath, he has Edoras, he has the, the Ramas Icor, but he has developed it all to be modular. So you can change that around. It's never the same Osgiliath board. It's it, The buildings are separate and they're designed to enter interlock with each other so you can change that board around from game to game. Yeah. All right, you don't want to have this building, it's not in there. Same thing for Edoras, you don't have to have the outer wall. If you want to do a scenario where the, they have to break into the stable and, and get rid of the horses or set fire to something, you can completely change that terrain around. And that's that's the uh, modularity too is another thing. Playability, well, it's all part of playability, I guess. It has to be something where you can change up that board. Now, unfortunately, that, that Barbarossa board that we made, we're, we're stuck with that river. I mean, that river is in the same place every single time because it's cut down into the board. Yeah. So do you have to be, if you're going to cut down into the board, okay, you say, well, we'll just make it in two by two squares, which is fantastic until you play a game where there's no pre-measuring. Now, most games I think have gotten, there is pre-measuring in virtually all games now. 
but that was well, Lord of the Rings was one of those, and I think you still can't pre-measure. So all of those convenient one inch or one foot by one foot terrain tiles just don't work for Lord of the Rings because anybody with any sense of space can go. Oh, okay, I'm not. He can't make that charge. Yeah. There is no way because he is. I can see because that he's six inches is, away from that. Yeah, this is twelve inches, and half of this is six inches, et cetera, et cetera. So that, that's the unfortunate thing, but I think maybe that's why most game systems moved away from that no pre-measuring type stuff. I mean, obviously, Song of Ice and Fire is a pre-measure. It, it does tend most to everybody save. goes pre-measure now. There's very, very few games that don't. I'm trying to say. I think Bolt actually Bolt Action is another one where you can't pre-measure because if you did, there would almost be no point in playing the game. I mean, it just. It would, everything would just be automatic. So that's another game where, okay, yeah, you try and use those one-foot-by-one-foot one tiles that sort of look like asphalt or whatever, which looks fantastic until everybody knows exactly what the ranges are. And the game just kind of goes horribly wrong because everybody knows the distance to everything. Everybody knows that the dice are loaded. <laughs> um but, I mean, I, I think we're coming back to a thing where we're using more terrain on uh, the tables and using more 3D terrain on tables. Like, there's some games that's obvious. 40K, you know, Legion is now, you know, is a, is a 3D terrain. Hey, the Sigmar's a 3D terrain. Um, and everybody's... I wonder, I wonder if part of it is because of that shift towards... Uh, smaller. Remember when we were talking about how there mm -hmm. was that shift towards smaller yep. uh, armies? Yep. You know, like like unit size or a skirmish and all that stuff does better with, with the terrain. Yes. And that, that could be a reason why. I mean, although Star Wars Legion you're playing with a decent amount of, excuse me, models, but like Batman, not a lot of models. And they're still not on movement trays though. Yep. Which I think makes a big difference. Yeah, I think there's a there there there's a call for new and better terrain that I think either a people that can three D print are going to take full advantage of and use an Etsy shop to get rid of some of this stuff, or b people are going to have to start buying it. Um. Or making it, or making it themselves out of out of foam and out paper foam. and cereal boxes. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cereal boxes. We how many boxes have we saved for roof tiles? Yeah. Oh yeah. Cereal boxes make fantastic shingles. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I mean, there, there's there's a lot to say about good 3D terrain, not only for aesthetics, but for gameplay. So the games aren't over in two seconds, um, but. I think we're moving more and more towards that, which I'm happy about. I like seeing a lot of terrain on the table. I like seeing good terrain on the table, I should say. Good, playable, usable terrain. Um, so, what time is it, Kathy? What you got? It's uh, 8.05. 8.05. Right, let's go and switch over to our media section. Um, oh, yeah. Cosmic Cusel got to go with it. Uh, Boxes oh. stacked under green cloth. 
That's a timeless classic oh, yeah. right there. Or books. Books stacked or books. under a green yep. cloth. Books stacked under mm-hmm. a green cloth. Yep. Better or, yet, just a blanket. Yep. <laughs> oh, yeah. I remember that. In there. <laughs> oh, yeah. Everybody remembers that. Um, so we're going to switch over to the media section. Jim's going to continue to paint. Kathy's not going to paint. I think I'm going to take a break from painting Jon Snow because it's painting a lot of black and highlights of black and... I decided to add a little bit of brown to them because, uh, well... Black well, is boring black. if it doesn't have another color in it. Yeah, which I did a <laughs> uh, a black with some highlights of blue and gray and then some washes of black and then the coats are kind of a dark gray and then um, brown gloves and brown belts. That way it gives a little bit of... But it still has got the night watch feel to it. Yeah. So, um, so let's go ahead and talk about our media section. Um, I'm not sure how many I have this time. I know I got a few to talk about. Um, Kathy, what do you got? Yeah, I, I've been playing Civ, and so I haven't even really been watching TV. Jim's been recording videos in the other room, and I've been playing Civ in at our normal time where we go into the living room and sit on the couch and watch shows. <laughs> <laughs> so. Hey, yeah, this is much. my media. That's what I'll be talking about. What's that? That's Sabatone. Remember, I played a couple of their songs for you. Oh yeah. The 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 most greatest band ever. That I just <laughs> found completely band. by accident. It's a heavy metal band that does historical songs. Oh yeah, you told so, me about that. <laughs> the, the like their latest new release that just came out was it was the French victory at Verdun. But they've got songs about the winged hussars. They've got songs about... Oh, the hussar one is awesome. What, what, the winged Jim, hussars go, arrived. Go ahead and go with yours, then. Yeah, it's a, actually, it's a band from Sweden, of all things. And, geez, you couldn't possibly imagine it's the case with all of these guys and their blonde hair. But, yes, that it's a, I was watching another historical video on Navy stuff. It's Drakenfell. And, of course, YouTube does these suggested for you because you like Navy stuff. Well, it was Sabaton's video on the Bismarck. And it was this amazing video because it, it's, it starts out as there's this old grizzled character, and he's getting on his trawler, and he's just headed out to sea, and it turns out that he was a survivor of the Bismarck, and he's going back out to find the, the wreck again. And, and this is a song, right? And it's a song. When you can work in one verse, a song about rule the seven seas and lead the Kriegsmarine, that's, oh, that's, that's right. Smith right there. And, and then the song about the winged hussars was even better. And there's been covers of that song. Believe it, I found like 10 other covers of this, of when the winged hussars arrived, the second siege of Vienna, the Polish hussars. And he's, they do other songs... Some of them are, again, more medieval-themed. Some of them are more, say, Napoleonic era. But just in case you're wondering what genre of music it is, it's Swedish heavy metal. So it's kind of got a little glam to it, which is really weird. <laughs> I mean, it's not like, you know, Disturbed or Slipknot or something like that. It just, there's a little bit of glam in there, and that's just, it kind of gives it a little extra... To me, a little bit of sense of humor to it because it is there's a little bit of glam going on. It's almost like if if Kiss did historical songs or something. 
It's hilarious. <laughs> I'm just picturing that in my head. Yeah. <laughs> but they're super popular in Europe. Uh, apparently, the, like, and they're coming here to the U.S. too. Actually, I just I was looking them up just to find that picture for you, and all these options for tickets. Uh, they're coming to Chicago. Believe it or not. Oh, funny. <laughs> oh my God. And I just I know so many folks that are so much into the historical things, and they basically have a song that covers pretty much anything major. What, Jimmy? How do you spell the name of the band? It is, and I'm I'm bringing it up again. It is S A B A. T O N, and it's just they're all over YouTube. They have tons of making of on their videos, how they made those. They've got tons of interviews, and they they say, okay, here's why we did this song about the the Warsaw uprising. Here's why we did this song about such and such a thing. Um, so it, it's pretty amazing. With and some of them are they're pretty intense. You know, some of them cover really intense events, and then some of them are more more generic themed like Bismarck song like everybody knows that but there's there's some like the wing to stars and people are like what are the wing to stars and and in Chicago anything Polish is a big deal so everybody around here knows about wing to stars and Pulaski day and stuff so that's why it was even more fun here but it was a complete accident never expected to find them and then of course I'm playing these songs and Kathy's like what the hell are you listening to <laughs> I heard the Kriegsmarine one, and I'm like, "How did did I just hear Kriegsmarine in this song?" Yeah, just oh, and with the wing, just there is even more crazy words, and and they're just how in the heck did they make all this into one sentence and put it to music? Yeah, so, so they have a good grasp of the English language, you know. Yeah, when you when you hear them in their interviews, they're they're reasonable although Kathy remarked that their accent when they are speaking English it sounds like they're an Irish band you mean when they're singing yeah with, with, well I've heard of talking in the interviews I guess you haven't but yeah they, they it's, it's weird I guess Swedish people when they sing sound like Irish people <laughs> which is funny because Irish people when they sing sounds they kind of lose their accent a little bit so that was that was my thing. It was five, as I was staying up later and later at night trying to edit videos and do that kind of stuff. Sabaton was keeping me company, so I was very glad for that. Well, you'll be happy to know that Congo has also been listening to Sabaton off and on for a while now. Yes. <laughs> oh, and the bolt action pay, of course. Someone just brought that up they said oh yeah yeah i've been listening to this group called sabaton and i'm like oh my gosh they're everywhere <laughs> little did you know i mean it, it's like uh it, it's like in sync or, or you know whatever for me that's <laughs> it, it's the boy band it's hilarious uh kathy what do you got nothing Tell us about your Civ game. How about Civ? Either painting or watching streams of people playing champions, Warhammer Age of Sigmar champions, Mm -hmm. or I have been uh, binge playing uh, Civ Five. So, yeah, that's when you thought you were going to be playing Diablo. I thought Diablo's new season started this weekend, but it starts next weekend. 
So I have that to look forward to. Let's see. What do, what do I have? Um, I want to talk about there has been a lot of cancellation and renewals this last week uh, of TV shows. Um, for a lot of people, the Orville got renewed. Um, and I've been watching that. I'm kind of curious to see how they're going to go with it. Um, re- cause, uh, the season finished and the season has been more, the second half of the season has been more, um, serious and less comedy, which, you know, I'm still being messed around as not being the, you know, Greatest Is that love the of Star Trek parody that you were hoping for. Correct. It's too much like actual Star Trek. Yes, and I would rather have the parody, <laughs> in my opinion, because I have Star Trek Discovery, and I really like Star Trek Discovery. So, I mean, there's just that issue. Uh, but I mean, I'm glad it's renewed because a lot of people do like it. Um, a lot of people are upset because uh, Fox canceled a ton of shows uh, this last week, and uh, it could be because of Disney. Um, cause I took over, but I mean, they canceled a, a great amount of shows this week. Well, if they canceled them, then they must've found that they weren't doing that well. Correct. But I mean, there's a lot of them. A lot of them I thought that were, that would have gotten renewed because they were long time or people really liked them. Um, but they got, uh, kicked to the curb pretty quickly. Like what though? Um, so let's see. Star. Um, Fox had a show called Star, which is a mu- about a musical trio. Got really good reviews, uh, really good acting, really good music. Uh, my spouse listens to it or watches it, and she really liked it. But either ratings dropped or whatever, and it it's gone. Um, <laughs> that was one of them. Uh, a lot of new stuff got canceled. Um, uh, new shows that came out this uh, last year, like they're not getting additional seasons. Uh, the Rookie, which was, uh, um... Oh, yeah, yeah, that's the, uh... Oh, what's his name? Captain Tight Pants. Yeah, uh... <laughs> Nathan Filion. <laughs> yeah, his, uh... He, he came back, and he got his, um... But they're the still making The Simpsons, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Simpsons is still going on. Um, there was quite a few shows, which I thought was interesting. Um, what else? Um... Uh, standard ones got renewed like of course the bachelor got renewed Uh, and then um gray's anatomies and all those but um some are getting their final seasons like blind spot um just different ones like that which i thought you know this is us which is one of their big runners on what abc or whatever um is, is getting another season so there's a lot of them that are going on there. Uh, I did put quite a bit of things on my Netflix queue, as in two weeks into the school year is here, and so I'll have time to catch on stuff. Um, and so I put, uh, I like drama, I like, not dramas, I like uh, documentaries about prison. Um, don't ask me why, there's just something about documentaries and prison, because these people don't care that they're showing illegal stuff why they're being filmed on a documentary. And uh, if anybody remembers a long time ago, HBO, they had a TV show uh, called Oz. And Oz was amazing. Uh, Fell in love with a lot of actors from that. Um, And it was an amazing TV series. And so it it caught me on to a lot of stuff. And there's a new one called uh, Jailbirds. Um, And it, it highlights the prison system and stuff and the prisoners that are in there. And, uh, 
I thought it was interesting because it's a multi-level prison, kind of like a tower, and prisoners communicate through the toilet. Um, they take the water out of the toilet. They bang on the toilet to get someone else's attention. And then they get the water out of it and they can talk through it by using cones to talk to other cellmates that are like multi-level floors down. Um, because there is a male and female prison within this one thing. Um, and they do things like fishing. So they'll send notes to each other where they take bed sheets, take a long bed sheet and, you know, make it into long knots, tie spoons together and one person will flush whoever's on the top will flush down their fishing line to get another fishing line so they can send stuff back and forth to each other over like multiple levels like the seventh level to the third level type thing it was it was incredible um some of the crap that they do and of course they discuss the guards uh, I got about four or five episodes in. It's interesting just for a good documentary about prison. Um, so it'll it'll be it'll be good. Uh, if, if you like documentaries and stuff, it, it's a fun watch. It's different. Um, it's interesting to watch some of the people say, you know, well, you know, I was just doing people wrong. And the producer goes, no, you robbed somebody and you stole a car. You weren't doing things wrong. You broke the law. And so, like, the producers that are behind the scene are, like, correcting these people as they try to spit their bullshit. Um, so, it was pretty funny. Um, so, I give it, you know, like, two space RPs. But if you're not into, you know, documentaries, just kind of pass it. Um, I watched um, a bunch of How to Tame Your Dragon TV series because the kids coming up on their last week and so in the afternoon they get a chance to watch that um more like two scoops of hoop <laughs> uh yeah there was one time when someone tried to pull a fishing line out and there was poop all over it and yeah, they had to deal with that um so i've been watching some of that with some of the kids uh, no big deal uh i started watching a new tv series today on netflix called the society and the society is about a high school where all these high school kids uh, leave their town to go on, I guess, the high school trip. Uh, and it looks like it's only like the juniors and seniors. It's not like they're all the freshmen and no elementary kids. And they go out of town for their high school trip. Um, but right before this happens... Um, there's like this strange smell within the town that everybody kind of freaks out about and they're just like, oh, it smells really, really bad. Uh, there's some weird graffiti in Hebrew and stuff like that. Um, and these kids leave to go out of town. They go out of town, everybody falls asleep in the bus and then they're brought back because the bus driver says, well, there was a rock slide we couldn't get past so we're just dropping you back off back home. Here you go. And all the kids get off the bus and the buses leave. Like three school buses. And so the kids but are like, it's not their home. It's not. Um, <laughs> they find out that nobody is home. No, it, it's all high school kids, like junior, senior level high school Someone kids. Someone made a replica of their town, put them to sleep, drove them to the replica, dropped them off. That's what they're trying to figure out right now. I'm about <laughs> three episodes in. They're trying to figure out, you know, what's going on. 
Like, they actually did some pretty interesting stuff. Like, of course, they called their cell phone, their parents' cell phone, nobody answered. Um, but they were like, okay, well, maybe they had to leave. They had to evacuate town because of the smell. But the smell's no, no longer there. Uh, when did they crown the king and start eating people? Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> um, and so they did something interesting where um, they started checking internet. And nobody could get an internet address and can get out. Uh, so that was that. Uh, they tried to leave town and every way is blocked by a giant forest. Um, and they tried trekking through the forest and couldn't get anywhere. It just went on forever. Uh, it's sort of like... The dome? The dome. <laughs> Except for you can get, you know, in the dome you couldn't get past it. Um, also, it's only teenagers, so when does the sex start? There's plenty of that. Um, there's plenty of hormonal teenage stuff in it. Um, there, it, it is very, very, very. Two men enter, one man leaves. <laughs> it is very predictable. Um, I'm only interested because I want to see how it ends because it's already been renewed for a second season and I'm like, oh and it just came out too. That's what's weird. It just came out and it just got renewed. It is very much a teenage show. Uh, does have a very big CW feel to it. Um, there are romances in there. People have you died, just though. put the CW stamp on that one. Yeah. Uh, people <laughs> have died, so there's not that. There is some psycho stuff. There's a good diversity to the cast. Uh, there is actually someone that is deaf, and the person is actually deaf. Uh, oh, Banyan asked, did you watch Legacies yet? No, I have it on my queue, but I have not watched it yet. Banyan, what do you think? Should I skip it or try it? Waiting. Bueller. We wait. We wait for the reply. We wait for the reply. Leg is a thing. This is what radio is made for. <laughs> right. Loved it. Okay. Good. I'll I'll try it out. If if you say if you if you liked it, I'll try it out. Um, but going back to um, the society, it's kind of Lord of the Flies meets the Dome. Because there's some supernatural stuff that happens. Um, I'm not going to spoil all of it. It It's not great. But I'm intrigued enough to find out what happened and what's going to be explained. Um, you know things are going to you know go into anarchy because it's already started. Um, like the second episode is like five weeks later. And I'm like, okay, let's just skip a lot of the story of what happens. Why don't we skip to nine months later where yeah. all the girls are pregnant? Uh, they've already started one of the stories. Um, yeah. Look at me. I've never even seen it yeah. or heard of it. And I'm just, uh, I've got the whole thing. Yeah, yeah it's well, very well, predictable. Well, that team sex, there's bound to be lots of space herpes there. Yep. <laughs> yeah, like four of them, it sounds like. I, I, it's pushing three and a half to, I, I wouldn't go any further than three and a half. Uh, some of the writing is bad. It's very predictable. But I'm intrigued to find out why this has happened, which I'm sure we'll not find out for many, many, and, many and seasons. And Lucas says, so also Lost is in there. Yeah. The, so there's only been... Maybe they're all dead. That, that, that <laughs> actually... Someone actually said, maybe this is heaven or hell. And, you know, they, they started trying to, you know, explain some of the stuff. They've done some stuff good, but not enough. It's... I'd skip it. I'm only going to finish it because I started it and I can get through it and just see what the whole hubbub is, but it's not good. You, <laughs> you, you, you can pass on this one guys. Um, Shocked. 
I, uh, I I do have legacies on my thing, so I can try to see. Uh, I, I've got that what's, one on there. What's legacies about? Uh, I I I guess it's about college and legacies within that. I don't know, but it's supposed to be supernatural and uh, thing. But I've got that on there. Um, and um, let's see what else. There, I didn't watch a lot of stuff this week because uh, I've been very busy with school. Um, so I didn't get much of that done. Um, I'm definitely looking forward to next weekend. Because uh, I believe next weekend is... Um, John Wick 3, if I remember correctly. That's next weekend? I think it is next weekend. Uh, and so I'm definitely looking forward to John Wick. I will probably I go see that. I think I need to Netflix some uh, John Wick. Yes, you definitely need to watch one and two because three looks amazing. Um, and so going through that. Um, other than that, it was a pretty slow one. Um, I'm sure it'll pick up when my uh, school is over or when I have to try uh, and keep the kids busy because the last full week of school... Um, we are down to me as the only elementary school teacher for three classes. And I'm going to have to keep 40 kids busy throughout the day. But you should have them all file miniatures all day. Um, I'm going to stick them outside and put them in movies. And my <laughs> boss has already told me that too. He's like, there's going to be a lot of outside time when there's allowed to. And then there's going to be a ton of, we're going to go to the cafeteria and watch movies on the big screen. And I'm like, good. So I'm sure I'll be watching a bunch of stuff. Um, Benyon says, uh, legacies about witches, vampires, and werewolves and some strange stuff. Story's good. Uh, a bit CW, but it was fun. Uh, I don't mind. like fun. I don't, I don't mind romance and, you know, the, you know, romantic drama within the stuff because, you know, whatever. But I mean that it, it doesn't have to be the whole story. I don't want the entire story to be about that. Um, so it yeah. gets on well, my nerves. Yeah. I don't, I don't mind romance and stuff but yeah. when it's just like teenage gratuitous you know because this is a guy and this is a girl there is going to be romance mm -hmm. and that's the only reason yeah, yeah and just for drama and you know vicarious thrills it's yeah yeah there's just not much to it um other than that that's pretty much it guys um, we will try to figure out something. Like I said, if you are patron subscribers, I will be getting those dice out uh, to y'all as quickly as possible. Um, John and Kathy is going to have some new models they get to play with. Um, and um, hopefully John will be back and safe and he can do some good. Our, our John Spencer update, since he wasn't here, is that he's eating dinner right now. He had brisket <laughs> tacos and macaroni and cheese. <laughs> Which, oh my god, makes my mouth water. Yeah. Congo says, oh, I moved. So don't send Congo stuff because his address is wrong. Congo, send me um, uh, send me either on Facebook or uh, email or whatever a message of your new address. Um, and I will make sure you get your stuff and everything. So that's the uh, or the do, do me a favor, update your update your address on Patreon, um, and that that'll do it because that I, I I'll yes. just uh, pull it down from there. 
So update your address on Patreon. Um, and then send me a message. Hey, I updated it and we'll be good to go. Um, so check that out. Uh, we do have something. Uh, hopefully there will be another episode of uh, Donald the Harbinger this week. Uh, we have a new episode coming out for our Patreon subscribers from John. I believe he is going to have another Big Easy come out. Um, uh, no, he's got a Minis and Movies. Big Easy was last week. He's got a Minis and Movies coming out this week for Patreon. And then we got another Big Easy coming out uh, after that. Um, thinking of applying for a job. Uh, gaming groups near Rhode Island? I have no clue. Wait, Rock Island, Illinois? I don't know. I don't know where Rock Island is. I'm sorry. I'm sure there's got to be some. Um, but You'd think that about Chicago, too, but you'd be wrong. Yeah. Um... <laughs> After the Dawn of the Harbinger series uh, wraps up, I will be adding a new Patreon level uh, to our thing that I'm super excited about. John and I have talked about it, and I'm going to take the plunge with it. Um, but uh, that will be um, coming after, and I won't post it until then because I'm dedicated to this one group. Um, and hopefully I'll finish our story. we got about three to maybe four more game sessions to finish the Dawn of the Harbinger episode. And we'll see how that goes. Um, other than that, guys, that's a wrap on the episode. We will see you next Sunday. Don't forget to watch Kathy. You know, all the other days that she streams. What? Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday from 3 o'clock uh, Central until 5 or, you know, slightly over 5. I often kind of run over my 5 o'clock. Because, <laughs> you know, who wants to stop right in the middle of using their paint? Yeah. Uh, don't forget to check out Jim and his uh, painting he does. He does some amazing stuff for Song of Ice and Fire he's working on. Uh, he's got some really cool stuff. Uh, if you're not a part of the Song of Ice and Fire painting group or uh, their actual Facebook group, go join it. There's some really good, talented stuff on there. But that's it for the night. For More Than Dice, I'm Gonzo. I'm Kathy. I'm Jim. Good night. Good night. Da -da -da -da. And I have to start a 3D print. A 27-hour 3D print coming up. You know Are what? Are going to do another Groot? No. You know what? I might want to fire out and light up a long 3D print Friday night after you stream and let people wow, watch your, that. Uh, your audio is all over the place, Gonzo. Just in time for uh, the show to be over. Good. Don't have to worry about it anymore. I think he just went away.